Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Texas History Lessons, a slow walk through Texas history made in Texas by a Texan for everyone everywhere. Welcome to Texas History Lessons. I'm Michael, and with this episode, we reach the end of the year and the end of this month in Texas history, at least for a while. When I added the This Month in Texas History episodes to the podcast schedule, I didn't realize how time-consuming they would be. With that being said, I do not regret doing them, and I might still occasionally do an episode similar to them from time to time, but without the time constraints and the deadline, and probably not so many different dates involved. We'll see in the future. Now, these episodes have been a lot of fun to do, and I'm also glad to have done them because by using the monthly premise, I've learned a lot that will prepare me for future lessons episodes. It has also helped me gain a better grasp on the flow of Texas history by taking and finding connections between events that stretch from the 1500s and 1600s to the 1800s and 1900s. They've also taught me a lot of things and opened up my understanding in several areas of Texas history that I was lacking. That result, that gaining of knowledge is why I do the podcast in the first place. And sharing what I learned with all of you people is a happy byproduct. I hope they were of interest to you. So with this episode, we're going to once again time travel back and visit many significant events that have happened in Texas history during the month of December. Then we're going to close out the episode by expressing my gratitude to several really great people. And I might be doing a year in review episode in the near future with a variety of recommendations from all kinds of things like movies, music, historical fiction, and history books. We'll just have to wait and see if that pans out. First up, we have on December 9th, 1716, the Viceroy of New Spain appointed Martin de Alarcón to be commander of Presidio San Francisco de Coahuila and as governor of the province of Texas. Now, Alarcón was an interesting person, having started his career 
of service to Spain as a sailor before being sent to New Spain. He was also a knight of the Order of Santiago, a military order that had its origins in the Reconquista of Spain in the Middle Ages and in the person of Martin de Alarcón, the order continued to serve in the conquest of New Spain's northern frontier. After decades of service, Alarcón found himself between 1705 and 1708 serving his first time as the governor of Coahuila y Tejas. The second time he was appointed as governor of Coahuila y Tejas was a very important moment in Texas's development. New Spain was attempting again to establish missions in East Texas, or what we consider East Texas, but the closest source of supply for these efforts was 400 miles away. So it was under the leadership of Martin de Alarcón, who founded San Antonio de Bear Presidio, and Father Antonio San Buenaventura y Olivares, who we've talked about before, who founded San Antonio de Valero Mission, that together they created the foundation for modern-day San Antonio in 1718 at an important settlement center for some bands of the Coatecan peoples. And Alarcón's term as governor of Texas ended in the fall of 1719. Now, from all the sources I've been able to check so far, I can't find a date of birth or death for Alarcón. However, we do know that a certain Juan de Ugalde was born in Spain 10 years after Alarcón's governorship came to an end, on December 9, 1729. Like Alarcón, Ugalde spent his life in the service to Spain and New Spain. He fought the Austrians in Italy and the Moors in Africa and then faced off with the Portuguese in the Seven Years' War. He became the governor of San Francisco de Coahuila in 1776 while the United States was in its early years of revolution. And he became known as a pretty successful fighter against the Apaches in the Rio Grande area. Ten years later, he became the commander of arms of the Provincias Internas and this was an area that included Coahuila, Nuevo León, Nuevo Santander, and Texas. Folks familiar with Uvalde and Uvalde County might find it interesting to note that the city and county are named in a way after Uvalde. In 1790, he defeated a force of 300 Lapan and Mescalero Apaches at Arroyo de la Soledad, which is also known as the Sabinal River Canyon. The site of the fight became known as Canyon de Ugalde, and Ugalde transformed over time into Uvalde in that fun way that Texans change names and sounds and pronunciations of different words. Unlike many who devoted their lives to serving in the military or as administrators in New Spain, Ugalde did get to return to Spain, where he died at the age of 87 in 1816, just a few years before Stephen F. Austin began his venture as an impresario. Now let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we're going to change things up a little bit. 
we're going to play a song by Mondo Salas called All We Got. And then we're going to thank Age of Radio for hosting Texas History Lessons. And we'll be right back. Like I said, that was the great Mondo Salas with his band Rosemond. He is Texas History Lesson Spotlight artist. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that in the future, near the end of the episode. But let's get back into some events that occurred this month in Texas history for December. Now, another Texas governor was also born in December. He went by the name of Juan Martin de Veramendi. He was born in San Fernando de Bear, modern San Antonio, on December 17, 1778. When Stephen F. Austin was traveling to Texas in 1821, 
it was Veramendi and once again who met him in Natchitoches, Louisiana and accompanied the hopeful impresario to Bear. Veramendi occupied several important governmental positions over the years, including Alcalde, or Mayor of Bear, in 1824 and 1825. He then went on to be elected the Vice Governor of Coahuila in Texas in 1830. Now enters the scene of another Texas legend, the famous or infamous James Bowie, who was a recent arrival to Texas after several close calls with fraudulent land deals in Arkansas and Louisiana. Now, I learned this from reading a book earlier this year. Had he been able to pull off these land schemes of his, he would have likely have become the wealthiest man in the United States. Instead, he had to try to find his fortune elsewhere in Texas. And while in Texas, he met and married Juan Martin de Veramendi's daughter, Ursula Maria de Veramendi, in 1831. Juan became the governor of Coahuila y Tejas in 1832. And did I mention that Veramendi was quite well off and that Bowie received assistance from his father-in-law while hatching new schemes for riches in Texas? Unfortunately, Bowie's new marriage to Ursula and his new financial relationship with Juan were not to last long. Juan, his wife Josefa, and daughter Ursula Bowie died during the cholera epidemic of September 1833. Bowie would later participate in turning Veramendi's birthplace, San Antonio, into a battleground, not once, but twice. He won the first one, and as we all know, lost the second at what is remembered as the Battle of the Alamo, not quite three years after losing his wife. And just as a side note, that knife associated with Bowie, you know the one, the Bowie knife, well, the world's largest Bowie knife can be seen on the east side of Bowie, Texas, near the Rodeo Arena. Near a park, also, in Monte County, Texas. Also, from what I've been able to gather, Bowie apparently had nothing to do with the creation of the knife. It was designed by his brother, Resin. And as far as I've seen, there are no records of Bowie ever fighting with that particular style of knife. It was made for his brother after a knife fight in which Bowie did almost die. And from what I understand, he was never seen without this knife in the future. He stayed prepared. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying we have no proof that I've seen aside from a lot of tales. Speaking of the Texas Revolution... It was December 20th, 1835, that people of the community of Goliad and South Texas ratified Ira Ingram's Goliad Declaration of Independence. 91 eager supporters signed it, including Philip Dimmitt, Jose Miguel Aldrete, and Jose Maria Jesus Carbajal. It was printed and circulated widely, but the action appears to have been a little bit premature. When received by the general council that was meeting at San Felipe de Austin, they did not immediately endorse it because they were still trying to figure out what they were doing. 
they were trying to decide if they wanted complete independence or if they wanted to remain a part of Mexico but as a separate and independent state from Coahuila. As we've seen over the earlier episodes of This Month in Texas History, once they did make a decision, Santa Ana was ready to crush the rebels like his mentor, Arredondo, had several years before at the Battle of Medina in 1813. Things did not go as planned for Santa Ana, and the Republic of Texas was born. Now, you would have expected that Stephen F. Austin might have played a very significant role in the Republic of Texas. I mean, after all, he was very responsible for the bringing of Anglo-Americans into Texas and had a significant role in the development and relationship and interactions with the Mexican government from 1821 on. But sadly... For Austin and the state of Texas. At the age of 43, Stephen F. Austin died of pneumonia on December 27, 1836, at Columbus, Texas, having recently lost the election for the first presidency of Texas to Sam Houston. Now, Austin's importance to the development of Texas cannot be overstated. By the time of his death, he had settled over 1,500 families while also playing a significant role in creating the foundation of what would someday become the Republic and then the state of Texas. Friends quickly printed an announcement to be distributed through the countryside. It read in bold letters at the top, The Patriarch has left us. We perform a most painful duty in announcing the death of General Stephen F. Austin, who departed this life yesterday at half past 12 o'clock p.m. at the house of Judge McKinney. His friends and relations have sustained an irreparable loss. His country just merging into existence. The best and tenderest of fathers. The sons and daughters of Texas have now full cause for mourning with one solitary consolation that they will meet the just man above. Not even dead for a day and Austin was already being acknowledged as the father of Anglo-Texas. December 10th, 1838 marks the date that Mirabeau Bonaparte Lamar was inaugurated as the second president of the Republic of Texas. Ever the showboat, Sam Houston gave a three-hour farewell address. Lamar had his secretary, Algernon P. Thompson, read his inaugural remarks rather than follow up behind Houston's big display. Lamar is one of those controversial figures that I have a lot to say about, not all of it being good. But let's save that for another day as we learn more together and progress through the lessons. Heck, I might even learn to think he was okay. I will say something positive about the little poet President Maribou Buenaparte Lamar. He did play a significant part in the establishment of an educational system 
and rightly believed that education was an important factor in the future success of Texas. So thanks to the father of Texas education for his efforts on that front. Now we're going to end this episode now, a little bit soon. There's a lot more that happened in Texas history in December, but we're going to make this a two-parter. There's a lot more to get into, and we'll get into that next week when I release part two. So that's it for part one of this month in Texas history for December. I want to say some closing remarks, though. After having started releasing episodes for Texas History Lessons in August of 2020, this makes my second December. And through all the months, I've learned a lot about how to make the podcast. I've made some mistakes, but I always have been trying to improve and learn from wherever I did make a misstep. More importantly, I've learned a lot about the history of Texas and beyond. It's been a great experience personally, and I hope that some of y'all have shared in the joy and knowledge that I've had from researching and recording this podcast. Most importantly, I've met some great and supportive people that share in my love for history and the stories that I've learned and shared. First of all are my Patreon supporters. These are people to whom I am especially indebted because while I'm not very good at providing additional benefits or bonus content through Patreon, they care enough to lend me their support out of love of history and a belief in the mission of this podcast. So again, thank you deeply, Jay and Ron. Thank you, Kay, Brenda, and Rama. Thanks, Tim and Josh. Thanks to Johnny. And special thanks to one of the new supporters, Indy, who recently moved to the state of Texas from up north and started listening to learn more about his new home. And I'm in the works on a special episode that he suggested to help him and us learn a little bit about the city that he lives in. But I'm not going to say where that is quite yet. Thanks to all of you for your support. And I hope to do some special thanks for y'all in the future. Along the way, I've heard from many other great supporters who've reached out with encouragement. And there's no way to remember all of them, but I'm going to give it a try. I want to say thanks to Sam Pareto, Twinkle, Dan Stevens, Dean Vinson, Freddie Martinez Morales, Chuck Sims, Sergio Gonzalez, and Adrian. And I can't find the email or message that I got from you, sir, who works off the coast of Texas, dredging the coastline. When I do find it, I'm going to shout your name out too, but I want to say thank you to you. You know who you are. As usual, I want to recommend some podcasts for your listening pleasure. As always, go check out Josh on the Wild West Extravaganza and David on the History Cafe podcast. Both guys offer something different and special and both put in a lot of work on making their podcasts to a high quality and while I rarely mention this next podcast, it's mostly because I assume if you love Texas history, then you're already listening to his show and that you've already subscribed and you listen to Judge Wise's Wise About Texas podcast. He embodies, along with the other guys, everything that I hold dear 
and sharing good researched history. You will not be disappointed by any of them. For music lovers, you have an abundance of Texas music podcasts to choose from. I recommend, as always, Chris Rev Waterman's Hymns of the Highway and the great Aaron Lee Bentley's Off Mic, Off the Record podcast on Texas music. And also be sure to check out Blake Farrar's Texas River Tonk. This is a podcast that originates on a San Marcos radio station, KZSM. And also Blake and I share a love for really good historical fiction books, especially the works of Louis Lamar. Each of these shows have great interviews and share great music. And last but not least are the Texas History Lesson Spotlight Artists. A little personal indulgence that I've enjoyed including in the show. Jared Flushy was the first to be kind enough to let me share his music, and I encourage y'all to continue to follow him wherever you listen to music, and be sure to listen and go see the band he's in now, Giovanni and the Hired Guns. And what can I say about Mondo Salas and his band Rosemont? He's a great and talented artist, and so kind that it's hard to explain. And as long as he allows it, I will always share his great music, like the song I played earlier at the break. And as we move forward, we will be hearing from other wonderful artists like Tristan Sanchez, Oliver White, and others. Give them all a listen and find someone to love and listen to. Now we're going to end this episode with a song from Seth Jones' EP, As It Goes. He's a talented artist from here in Texas and we're going to follow that song up with another song Ada now this is a gritty song by Forney's own Zach Welch if you are familiar with the drive-by truckers as I know Zach loves them I do you get the feel for this but he makes that sound his own with this song it is an amazing musical piece and if you remember I shared a song by him by the name of Enough at the end of the last episode. So that's going to do it, folks. Thanks to them. Thanks to all y'all for listening. Thanks to everybody. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Be kind. Adios. Work that hammer down to the hip. Ain't no tombstone big enough. All this guilt got a hole dug in the ground. It's way too deep. Because I ain't half the man that I know I should be. Because this world has a method of changing your way, making you say what you don't want to say and do all the things you swore.
if you're listening to this right now, thank you for listening all the way through. It means a lot to us. Punk rock changed our lives. <laughs>